0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Melanie Hempe, and welcome, everyone. If you are new, we are so glad that you found us, and everyone else, welcome back. So, every show, I start with a little story because we all love stories, and I think today our kids are just growing up without stories. But anyway, this is a different kind of story that I wanted to chat about before I introduce our guest. And it is about the question of trusting teenagers. And I, I get emails a lot about this. And even when I meet with parents and I go do workshops, this seems to be such a big question. So I thought I would tackle it today just for a few minutes. The question is, if I don't trust my teenagers to be on their phones and their video games, then, you know, they're not going to love me. They're not going to feel love. They're not going to feel part of my family. And so I want to just talk about this from the perspective, really from a medical perspective and from a child development perspective kids, teens especially, use the trust trigger, I call it, (laughs) when they want to do something. They say, well, if you don't let me do it, it just means you don't trust me. And they know that that trigger just triggers a guilt problem, I think, that parents have. We feel really guilty because we feel like that we should trust our teenagers. And I want to explain that trust is not the same as love. And we get that as adults, we get that really confused We trust our spouse and we trust the adults in our life because they are in fact adults and they have a fully developed frontal cortex. And that's sort of a rite of passage, I guess, if you will, to that area of our brain, they can be trusted. Teenagers and kids really can't be trusted. And it doesn't mean that they're bad people. It just means that they're cognitively not developed enough to establish really what that means. So they're three things. Trust does not equal love. Trust is not something that a teen can really be capable of, of doing. Teens are not really capable of being totally trustworthy. And the third thing, it is our job as parents to get our teens to trust us. We got to quit worrying about trusting them. And we have to kind of take take them off the hook, They want to please us so badly. And I know that if you have teenagers in your house or budding teenagers or preteens, you you can't fathom that they really want to please you, but they do. So in order to please you and continue to be connected and attached to their family, they will lie to you because they don't want to make you mad. So this is why screens set our kids up for failure. And screens set up our kids to just lie. So I don't. I, I know um, that parents can get really upset about this, but don't look at it as something that your kids are trying to do. They're just not capable of handling something um, so hot as a screen. <laughs> They're going to get burned, and they just don't have the maturity to deal with the powerful nature of screens. In our um, yesterday, I'm so excited because we're going to be. Unpacking this a little bit more about why can't we trust kids with this and what happens when we give them more than they can handle? We know that they are seeking novelty and rewards. That is their number one job as a teenager, according to where their brain development is. And they're not equipped to control impulses that are brought on by media technology. So, my final little tip here is don't use smartphones to prove you trust your kids you've got to take that monkey right off your back our guest today is nate webb with bullies be gone what an exciting topic to talk about um nate is a high school counselor he talks to kids and he's changing lives welcome nate to our show
1: thank you so much for having me i am so excited
0: Good. Well, I don't know if you like my little intro story, but when I was reading everything you did, I thought, you know, we got to talk about this trust thing. But first, mm-hmm. but first, I really want to talk about what made you passionate about the work you're doing. Explain what you're doing and what made you passionate about it.
1: Yeah. So so I'm a professional school counselor. I work at a high school um, in Utah. Um, and b- before I became a school counselor, Um, You know, I was studying psychology and different things in school. um, And I realized I had a passion for helping kids out to overcome their obstacles. And while I was in school myself, I endured a lot of bullying, uh, physical, emotional, verbal, Mm -hmm. cyber, you name it, it happened. And I was able to become better and not bitter. And I realized I wanted to help people to overcome those same challenges. And they've evolved so much over the ages, for sure. I mean, when I was in high school, Facebook had just barely kind of come out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was getting popular. Right after I graduated, Instagram came out and took the world by storm. And so I know the youth have a lot of challenges and resiliency is hard to come by. Um, and so I realized I wanted to help them with that. And so when I started grad school, I also started Bullies Be Gone on Instagram and YouTube. And at first, it just started out as me just sharing tips and tricks and different mindsets and tools that I learned um, when I was in school. And then it kind of evolved into things that I learned from my studies as a school counselor, um, along with my life experiences. I started speaking at schools. I started a podcast. And so it's, it's really become something beautiful that I really enjoy to be able to help save as many kids as I can.
0: That is so cool. That is <laughs> so cool that you were able to get sort of an insight or insider's view talk about what happened to you in high school like what are some of the things
1: that happened oh well <laughs> the age of time no so so i have horrible 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 vision um and so now i have huge thick glasses that i got when i was in kindergarten and so i'm, a, I'm from a very small town in utah blanding utah It's six thousand people i think now And so in a small town, especially if there's a different person, it paints a target on their, uh, Mm. on their back. And so at first it was just name calling stuff like that, but it escalated in first grade. um, I got pushed off of the the big kid slides because glasses kids can't be on the slides, I guess. Um, And then I know I'm like, okay. (laughs) Mm, Didn't know that rule. (laughs) Oh, my bad. Um, And then uh, in fifth grade, the bunch of kids like just go back inside you can't play you can't play on the playground equipment and i was mad so i go inside and i go to just slump into my desk and one of my classmates who was inside thought it'd be real funny to hold a pen right underneath my behind as i slumped back into my desk real hard so i I got a pen shoved up in there that was that was great (laughs) and then in in sixth grade, I got put in a trash can for the first time. We're at play practice, and I was in, I was, I had scouts right after school. So I was in full scout uniform, and, and a bunch of eighth graders, four of them, two grabbed my arms, two grabbed my legs, and I kicked like mad. And the teacher just watched, and in the trash can, I went. Eighth grade, uh, I was at football practice. And four of my classmates held me down while the captains kicked me in the groin. That wasn't pleasant. And then, ninth grade year, right before homecoming parade, um, I got thrown in the dumpster. And then, um, sophomore year, end of freshman star sophomore. Bunch of people in the school thought it'd be funny if about fifteen of them all messaged me on Facebook same day to tell me I should kill myself. Mm. So um, a bunch of all that mixed in over the period of about ten years. I'm not sure if I'm glad I asked that or not. But <laughs> oh my
0: goodness, that that. I'm just grieving over here. I have to. Have to give me a minute. That I have four children. I I mean, and I, of course I remember some things that happened to me in middle school as well. And it's just so sad. And I think everybody listening can probably remember sometimes when, you know, they were bullied and those Mm -hmm. incidences are etched in our brains and they don't ever go away. And so what, what did you do? um, What were your protective factors? I mean, did you have a supportive family? Did you have somebody you talked to?
1: Yeah, so my parents definitely didn't sit idly by as they watched their son get abused. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they 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 tried to talk to parents of the of the kids who were who were um, beating up on me and stuff like that, but a lot of the times that just fuels the fire, right? And especially, I mean, it's kind of the same way now. But back then, the way they addressed bullying was just to just punish the bully and. And it did that didn't help at all either it just made it matter
0: the more they punished him then the more mad he got at you right? exactly
1: because hurt people hurt people I mean those guys were hurting in some way shape or form and they' are taking it out on me but I didn't know that at that time um so yeah my family they were really really supportive um you know they you know they' were, like trying to help me where I could you know they could tell I was hurting I wanted acceptance so bad and it was hard for them to watch too because um at some point I started to ch- kind of change. Who I was to try and be accepted. Um, I thought maybe if I acted like these kids, maybe yeah. they'd leave me alone. Maybe they treat me with more respect. And so I was, <laughs> I, I kind of became a person I wasn't proud of to impress a group of people I didn't even like just to get acceptance. And so my dad's watching this this whole time. And then end of freshman year, like in between freshman, sophomore year during the summer, um, he asked me a question that forever changed just the, the trajectory of my life, he asked, Name, do you know who you are? I'm like, are you okay, dad? I am Nathan. I'm your third kid. And I'm like, he's like, no, do you, do you know who you are? Because it feels like you're allowing these people to define who you are. The names they call you, the things they say about you, you're allowing that to be the truth of who you are. And I'm like, oh, I don't know who I am, dad. How do I figure that out? he's like, well, that's the best part. You get to decide who you want to be. Who do you, who do you want people to think of when they think of you? Uh, do you want them to think of someone who's kind, respectable, respectful? What, what do you want people to think of? And then align your actions with that. And so it took some time and soul searching. But as I figured out who I was for myself and learned that for myself, that truth, that undeniable, unchangeable truth, As soon as I learned that, the bullies lost their power because nothing they could do or say would change the fact of who I knew I was. They could stand me up in the hall, push me up against the locker, tell me I'm dumb, go find some friends, jump off a cliff. And I remember one time I just shook my head. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, man. That's not me. And maybe, maybe you don't know who you are. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're treating me like this. But I know who I am. And he just looks at me and he's like, oh, both my brain cells just popped. So (laughs) that is such a profound
0: concept for a teenager to grasp. And this this is just exactly the stage of development when they are searching for their identity. You were searching for yours like every other teenager does during that time. And the influences around us, just like you know, you're know, you saying, you had two choices. You either could have caved and become one of them, or you take path two, and that is you become different, and you figure out who you are, not based on the negative influences in your life. This is just what I keep hearing as you describe this story. If parents want to know what's, quote, wrong with their kids... There is nothing wrong with their kids. They, no. they are trying so desperately to figure out who they are. And thank goodness that your dad actually said the most brilliant thing in the question, do you know who you are? Because the answer is, no, I'm, I'm not sure. Dad, I got to figure it out. Can you help me figure that out? And then he did help you figure that out, it sounds yeah. like. And yeah. all you need is that one adult you know, person in your life to help you hang on to that that truth and to help you hang on to that, because I think the influence is like I, I say a lot, and you probably agree that in the world that kids are growing up today, especially as if it wasn't bad enough, like when you were in school, but especially now with social media and Facebook and all this stuff that's going on, it's, it's like a trash the city dump It's the city dump, right? So yeah. we're going to the city dump to find our
1: identity Yeah, well, <laughs> and everybody's that, in the trash dump. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like I considered myself lucky because even though I went through a lot of tough crap, my, my parents had my back. Like they talked to me and by talk to me, I mean, they listened and a lot of kids, they don't feel, even though a lot of your parents might think that you're like, no, my kid can talk to me. A lot of kids don't feel like they can. Uh-huh. And so Instead of turning to you as parents for that connection, for that sense of belonging, they turn to their cell phones and they get on Instagram and they try and find connections with people who they feel like they can connect with. But the thing about Instagram and TikTok with kids, they purposely have an algorithm to try and keep them addicted. So they might start off seeing someone positive, someone they can connect with, something like that. But, just like we kind of talked about earlier with your intro, their brains aren't developed. We can't expect them to make good decisions a hundred percent of the time, and sooner than later, social media, the algorithms, whatever app it's on, they will put something addictive, suggestive, pornographic, you name it in front of them, and then it just goes downhill from there and so a lot of this i mean a lot of this could be averted just by just by connection by listening anyway
0: so that no that's that's a perfect point to make and And as you're talking, I'm thinking, well, what comes first, the chicken or the egg here? Do our children not want to talk to us because they're on their phone or do we not talk to them because, you know, it's like, what comes first? Does the social media and that influence pull them away? So it's harder to talk to them because to me, it's a distraction. I -hmm. mean, you're right. Kids do turn to social media when their parents aren't engaging because they are going to engage somewhere, your, your child is going to hitch their wagon either to you and your village and your tribe and your extended family or to social media. So, some you know I don't know. Talk about that a minute. Is it that the kids are turning to that or is it that social media grabbed them? Like you just said, it grabbed mm-hmm. them. And now parents can't talk to them because once a child gets influenced by Instagram and all the teen social, you know, digital world out there, they really think their parents are crazy. I I mean, they already thought their parents were crazy, but now they really (laughs) think their parents are crazy, you know, because they get all this influence. So what's the, you know, the tug of war there?
1: Right. I think regardless of where it started, it can always end with the parents. Yes. Um, Regardless of where the, you know, the screen addiction started, whether it's, whether it started, I I believe most kids turn to screens to fill a connection in their life that they do not currently have. Yes. Now that being said, yes, there are, there are amazing parents out there whose kids just get snagged by social media. That happens, but it all can end with us because it's, I mean, I, I believe that things start with us as parents, as we communicate with our kids, kids want connection. They want to talk to you. I mean, contrary to popular belief, they actually <laughs> do love you and look up to you as a parent. You are the adult in their life. They mirror you for better and worse. And so when we build those meaningful connections with our kids, they want to build that. And as we put more effort into that, they will they will turn to their phones less and less. Now, some people are like, my kids are addicted, though. I'm like, well, it's a good thing you are their parent and you parents. I am giving you permission, not that you need it because you're a parent, (laughs) <laughs> to take away the flipping phone. Yes. It's okay. <laughs> just take away the phone. Yes. You feel like they're addicted? Okay, take it away. Okay, cool beans. Seems so easy, right? Come I on. Think it I...
0: just seems so easy. Why is it so hard for parents to do that? What do you see from your view, from your angle of a high school counselor? Why are parents struggling with this? Because I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. I'm like, if this is not adding to your life, in fact, if it's taking away from your life, we're going to get rid of it. This, this isn't what we need. So, what are the things that parents struggle with?
1: It's fear. Parents are so scared that their kid is going to retaliate. That it's that it's just going to be fight after fight, day after day, and it's going to be a struggle the whole time now i'm not going to sugarcoat it yeah for maybe a day or two it is going to be a big struggle if your kid is addicted it, it's it's an addiction they're going to have phantom vibrations in their pocket and like they're <laughs> going to be thinking oh my phone oh it's not in my pocket oh huh. i i felt that you know <laughs> i i served a mission for my church church of jesus christ latter-day saints and was we before we actually go out to the place where we were assigned to serve our mission we spend a period of time in the mtc a training center where you know they teach us a language and stuff like that um and we don't have phones with us you know we have to leave our phone our cell phones at home and we're assigned a a cell phone when we get to our mission anyway when i was in the mtc i was having phantom vibrations all the time in my pocket because i was so used to having a cell phone in there and it was just a flip phone but my 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 brain my prepubescent brain was so used to having that there that it took some time for me to zone out of that so yeah parents are they're terrified that there's going to be retaliation and there will be for maybe a day or two but as time goes on without the screen, things get better. Yeah. Yes, the starting might be hard, but it gets better as you go on. Um, something that I love that you guys do. And uh, me and Mandy Hammond talked about it a little bit when she's on my show. The Green Strong Challenge that you guys do where you spend seven days to just detox the kids. And parents, oh my gosh, they're so scared. They're like, oh my gosh, it's, it's, not, it's a, I, I can't do it. I'm like, guys. Don't let your fear stop you from loving your kid. Don't let fear stop you um, from being from being there for your kid. And that means just, just do it. Try it over a weekend. Try it over a Christmas break or something. Take the phone away. See what happens for a week. I, I'm I'm 100% right
0: there with you. I I know that parents have fear. I know they also believe in a couple of myths, Nate. You know, they believe their <laughs> kids aren't going to have any friends. So uh, do that. I mean, you're right there. Okay. You tell us you're, we're so excited to talk to you. Cause you're just like there,
1: like, like yes. you're in
0: the yes. front line. Right. So, oh, yeah. so you do you really think the kids who don't have smartphones are not going to have any
1: friends. Heavens. No, people know how to get in contact with their friends, with people, <laughs> you know, you can, <laughs> I know for a fact, most of those kids' friends follow their parents like their their friends as parents mm-hmm. on social media as well so nothing's stopping jimmy from snapchatting your mommy so you guys can coordinate a play date okay <laughs> kids have this big old fear of missing out fomo and so that's why they're always eyeing social media like a hawk oh i don't want to miss out on this don't want to miss out on that and what they don't realize is the only thing that they are missing out is on their life yeah. As they're trying to eye social media for everything that's going on. And our brains, they're not built to have 500, 600, 700 connections with, you know, thousands of different people. Our brains are very much wired to be one on one. And so our the, the kids' brains, they are on super overload and it kind of puts them in a state of anxiety and almost almost like ADHD a lot of a lot of symptoms exhibiting like ADHD but no they are not they are not missing out mm-hmm. on anything if they don't have a smartphone or social media
0: what they're they're missing out is that chronic stress that you're describing that's the symptoms they get you know they get the ADHD like symptoms when they're under this chronic stress and mm-hmm. you just described earlier what you went through with the bullying activities that were horrible and I'm sure everybody listening Their blood pressure was going up. I know my cortisol was probably increasing. I'm like, oh no, oh no, no, that sounded so terrible. But can you imagine, as you, I'm sure you can imagine because you're in it all day long, what it must be like for a teenager to put that on overdrive and to just have so much more bullying and stress? Oh, my and, gosh. oh, and so describe what does it look like now taking what like the bullies that you experienced in mm-hmm. high school. Let's pretend like they were born and now they're in high school. Now those same people, what would they be doing to kids on
1: social media? What does it look like? Oh, well, it looks it, it, it looks like nonstop. Um, when I was in school, the kids picked on me when I was at school, but I was safe when I was at home. And then smartphones came out and now kids willingly take home their bullies with them in their pocket willingly because they don't want to miss out on stuff. And so they have that social media they have those things. And then the DMS, the messages, the posts, sometimes they'll crop a kid's face on a very inappropriate, sometimes pornographic image. Um, mm-hmm. They'll send the messages while they're at home message after message, after message, bling, bling, bling. And the parents are sitting here. Oh, wow. My kid's really popular. And the kids here and you're like, no, that's all insults and death threats and things, but they don't want to tell mom and dad because they don't want mom and dad to get all up in arms. They just want them to listen. And it just turns into a vicious, vicious cycle. I had a kid in my office. We were talking about plans for next year and he's talking about, I think I need to go online. I think I need to just transfer out of school because I just feel so fidgety while I'm in school. I'm always nervous and anxious and I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, dude, A, I don't think, I'm a a big advocate for going to school and not being on a screen for school. Yeah. And I asked him, hey, let me look at your screen time on your phone. And sure enough, the last few weeks that he's been feeling the most anxious, his screen time has gone up. And we talked about the conversations that he was having on social media, how it was triggering more anxiety because not only can people bully in the DMs, but it's not necessarily it's not necessarily bullying, I guess, um, because bullying is used very loosely by a lot of kids, but they, they engage in conversations that trigger a very toxic environment. Right. Whether it be about... Religion or politics or whatever it may be, people jump down each other's throats, and then it just becomes very, very toxic, anxious place to be, and it puts them in a very bad mood. And I mean, I would be too if I was in a place where I was just arguing with people all the time.
0: I know I'm getting a bad mood just listening to you. I know. (laughs) And so I was like,
1: I, I tell this kid, I'm like, tell you what, before you go to bed each night, an hour and a half before you plan on going to bed, I want you to turn your phone off completely off and go to bed and then try that for a week tell me how it goes and this kid's like holy wow like i don't like mom mom and dad were legit ready to go over and get him tested for adhd and get him on medication and all this stuff i'm like you don't need that guys you need to give your brain a break
0: And this research is so clear, by the way, that the NIH, you know, National Institutes of Health, they're actually in the middle of an ABCD study studying adolescent brain development with Mm -hmm. screen use. Go on that website, guys, read about this stuff. They're actually showing that this impulsivity that you're describing, like the ADHD type symptoms, are increased with screen use. Now, we all know this from being on the the ground here, but it's so fascinating how the research is backing all this up. And the, the other thing the research backs up is, that there's a linear relationship between the amount of time a child spends on social media and the amount of stress and anxiety they have. It's, it's not, uh, it's not debatable. You know, the more time Mm -hmm. they're on that phone, the more anxious they're going to get. And Mm -hmm. I think this is why I had a, a mom one time go through the challenge and she took her, he was in eighth grade, her son's phone away. And at the end of the week, he came to her and said, could you just keep it for another week, but don't tell my friends. that I told you that <laughs> <laughs> And because he felt so much better. It oh, was yeah, like, yeah. oh my gosh, it was so much better. And I think mm-hmm. our kids, I want you all to remember that little story and just picture your child saying, mom, please take this away from me. I can't really ask you to take it away, but please take it away.
1: But it's something that I thought was amazing, one of the kids that I know – um he had he had an ipod touch and he had he had come across some pornographic material on it and he had the guts to go up to mom and be like mom i stumbled across some stuff i don't like it can you just keep a hold of this for a sec yeah and he's not afraid to just hand his iPod or his phone over to his mom, just be like, you you can keep this for a bit. I don't need this right now.
0: And that's, those kids can do that when they have these good relationships with their parents. And what I mean, good, I just mean, they're able to talk to them. Their parents are constantly in conversations with them. And Nate, we know that conversations don't change behavior. We know that. We just know that from child development, but we do know that conversations set the stage for your child to be able to ask you to help them when they need help oh my gosh, the time is just flying by. I know. This oh is nuts. Okay, so I want to jump back into this bully thing a minute. Um, yes, 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 Because there are so many parents out there that are struggling with this. And, yes. and my kids, I remember just recently, in fact, it was like four days ago, they somehow brought up this concept of how you're so mean in middle school, how kids are so mean in middle school. And they said, mom, we were really mean in middle school too. Like everybody's mean in middle school. And it tends to be, you know, the kids that are getting bullied or the the ones that then they bully back and they're like, there's a cycle of being mean. And I said, why do you think kids are mean in middle school? And they really, they're just like, I don't know. You just have to get through this phase. You just don't know who you are, which is exactly what you just said. But why do you think, I mean, I know it's because they are insecure and they don't know who they are. And quite frankly, I think that they don't have their parents, Necessarily, maybe speaking enough into their life. Like you said, they're feeling a void. So, if they can be mean to a little kid, then that Mm -hmm. makes them feel better. And I know that Mm -hmm. whole cycle. As a parent, when your child is being bullied, let's ask the two questions. What do you do when your child is the bully? And what do you do when your child is being bullied?
1: Mm. So, when your child is being a bully, I mean, it's pretty much the same thing for both of them, which is awesome. You need to talk to your kid. And by talk, I mean shut up and listen. Because obviously your kid is acting out because they're not giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. And there's something going wrong in their life that they feel like they need to act out and make someone else feel small to feel big. And until you figure out what that is, you don't you, you don't know what to do moving forward. And so first, talk to them. You can, and it can start as just simple as hey, I noticed that you've been acting really aggressive and kind of mean towards some people. What's going on? And they might resist at first, but as you genuinely listen to what they have to say, they want to tell you. Yeah. They want to tell you really, really bad. And it might take a couple questions, right? But it will come out. And then, As literally as as they're exposed to more communication and more kindness, that kind of behavior will go away Mm -hmm. because bullies are simply put devoid of kindness in their life in some way, shape or form. They might have something going wrong in some part of their life where they're not experiencing the kindness that they need. And so they feel like in order to gain some sort of control over their life, they act out and put someone else down. Basically, if we can love our kids louder than their insecurities can hate them, then they will see that love is a lot stronger.
0: And it's spelled time, T-I-M-E. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know how to spell love sometimes. (laughs) Um, We got to spend time with them in like, not solitude, but by yourself, get out of the house.
1: Yeah. Go on a car ride.
0: You get a car ride's perfect. Because uh, you know.
1: in, in, in in psychology of things, a side-by-side, when you're talking to someone side-by-side, they're a lot more comfortable than if you are face-to-face because you are a grown-up and they are a kid. Naturally, physically, you'll be looking down at them because they're short little kids um, and it's hard for them. But if you're side-by-side, it's a lot more of a relaxed situation. And that same thing for if someone is getting bullied. You can talk about, hey, like. What's happening? Sometimes they just need to tell you what's happening to start the healing process, to feel that support. And as you can talk with them and build up their self-esteem, again, loving them louder than the internet or the bullies can hate them, letting them know that they are loved unconditionally, that they are strong, that they are courageous, um, so they can give themselves a healthy definition of who they are so that as, as the bullies see that, that their actions have no effect, then they'll go through what we call extinction because that, that behavior is no longer giving them the results that they want. Mm. Um, a lot of times engage, bullies engage so that they can receive engagement. And so as we um, cease to engage, then, you know, they'll go through extinction with their behavior and they'll either move on to someone else or see, oh my gosh, I'm being such a jerk. (laughs) Then they'll stop. But that requires sort
0: of a a higher level of cognition. Oh, yes. They they don't really have yet. And that's okay. You just have to know as a parent some stuff about brain development and child development, because you're maybe expecting them to act like an adult and they're not. they're not. They're
1: not. You'll need to talk to them. You'll need to let them know, hey, they don't know that these kids are only acting out of insecurities. They literally think these kids are acting out because there's something wrong with them. And there's nothing wrong with them. They're kids. And they're all struggling.
0: They're all the blind, the blind out there, you know. Yeah, and they're um, and this whole attachment thing that you just touched on—that you've got to bring them kind of closer, and you've got to really look at your attachments to your kid to be sure. Even, you know, if they're the bully or the or if they're in either role, there's something maybe amiss a little bit with that attachment. And so, what you can do as a parent, you know, to, to increase that. Attachment. Maybe think of a couple of things, Nate, to share with us. I can think of a few things, even just family traditions. Yeah, um, like spending, you know, making your family the cool place to be. Not cool. I don't mean cool because I always tell my kids we're not the cool family. But <laughs> <laughs> make make them want to hang out. Yeah, at your house. You know, make make them feel connected. So, how do parents do that? How do parents make their f- kids feel connected when their kids are not feeling connected to their family?
1: Find out what your kid enjoys doing, and then spend meaningful time with your kid doing that, and not as long as them- it's not video games, no, <laughs> <laughs> or Instagram, <laughs> right? Right? Tech. Yes, yes, no. yes. Yeah. I mean, basically, find out what what your kid enjoys doing. What gives them joy? What can get them engaged? engage with them in some way shape or form spend time with them doing something that they enjoy let's say your kid loves anime they love it so much and you have no clue what what they see in that but they love it a lot so ask them to teach you how to draw an anime mm-hmm. and spend an hour drawing anime characters and laughing at how horrible your drawing is compared to your kids and laughing about it and then talking. And then all of a sudden you're learning so much more because you're spending time doing activities that are meaningful to them.
0: Sometimes I think they don't even know what's meaningful to them. And I've learned with four kids that in talking to lots of parents, that one thing they wish they had done differently was to structure, not, not in a bad way but structured different types of things in their life when they were little so they could be exposed to many different types of things to figure out what they like because like obviously if you never um, take your kids outside to play baseball then they're probably never going to like baseball you know right. if you don't expose them to certain things like hiking or rock climbing or Being in nature, if you're a family who doesn't spend time in nature, then your kids are not going to grow up thinking that's a fun thing to do because they're not doing it. And as they get to be adults, Mm -hmm. they're not going to all of a sudden one day wake up and think, oh, I want to take five mile hikes every day. They're not going to do that. So I think that's that we do definitely have to see what our kids like and what they lean toward. But I'm going to just throw out there that I think a lot of kids don't even know what they like. And I think that there's a lot of screen pacifiers Mm -hmm. out there that pacify our kids. So they think they like these certain screen activities when really we're missing a whole ton of potential, you know, and I think it all goes back to this bully mentality because honestly, when you really think about how do you train a bully, I think part of the way you train them is you keep them on screens and you teach them the screen culture because Mm -hmm. that's a real bully-esque sort of environment. I mean, oh, it's yeah. I kill you or you kill me, so somebody's gonna die, and I'm gonna kill you on my game, and I'm gonna, oh, yeah. you know, get more likes than you on my social media. It's all for one and one for all, or whatever. It's <laughs> it's not it's it's not a good, calm way to get your your values. No.
1: And, and the parents, if you're at a loss, you're like, well, I don't know what my kid likes. I don't think my my kid knows what he likes because we're just inside all the time, and I just I I feel like I've screwed up for so long. I don't know where to start. Okay. A, calm down just a little bit. It's gonna be okay. B, just go and walk. Yeah. Go on a walk. Walk with your kid and just talk. Just talk. I don't care what you talk about. Just talk. Just be with them. Be present. It's gonna turn into meaningful conversation as you just engage with them. Go on a walk. Start with that. And see what it turns into.
0: So we've really covered a lot. And and I mean, I, I love the question your dad asked you. Do you know who you are? I think that's, of course, brilliant. We, we've we got to get our kids to start figuring out who they are. They can't figure it out on their own. Yes. Um, we have to be very sensitive to the bullying that is happening on their screens, whether it's a video game chat room or a Instagram, anything on social media, group text is some of the worst kinds of bullying happen there. We have to be aware of what they're doing. And like we just said a minute ago, if it's not adding to their life in a positive way, then you got to take it away. You, yes. you are the parent. You have to do it. This brings up a topic here that we'll close with. What is your thoughts on privacy and kids having privacy
1: on their devices? <laughs> um, they, privacy is not something that kids should have. When it comes to their devices and their social media and things like that. Reason being is they have no privacy from all the creeps and all the people on the internet. We talk a little bit about how kids can't be trusted per se because their brains aren't developed. Um, Who really can't be trusted are the creeps on the internet that have unlimited access to your kids when your kids are on the internet. No, I don't think that kids should have privacy from their parents because they definitely don't have privacy from the creeps on the internet. They can see every photo they post. They can see everything they say. They can see the relationship. Half the kids put their age on their Instagram handle and um, they know exactly how to prey on them. They have no privacy from the creeps. Why would you get out of that room? If your kid's going to be in a room with someone dangerous, you better be in that room with them. So yeah, no privacy. You collect all them passwords. And if they don't give it to you, we'll take that (laughs) phone away. Yes, and I'm I'm so glad you
0: said that. I am a firm believer that that kids don't have privacy. They need accountability on their devices. Adults need accountability as well. I mean, you know, that's a little bit different, but kids don't need privacy. And I think that parents, me included, I've made all these mistakes. I think we equate loving our kids with trusting them and giving them privacy. And I don't know, crossing our fingers, maybe, is this what we're thinking that it's all going to be okay? We have this, not my kid disease.
1: Yeah. We have this like, Oh, it's not, it won't happen to my kid, not my kid. And then we also have like the, we're so scared to break and breach, um, some sort of trust that we think that we have with our kid. If you have, if, if you do have that such great trust with your kid, then your kid won't care. If they don't have any privacy, because they trust you, <laughs> yeah, as their parent, I don't care if if you trust your kid or not. Because guess what, they're a kid. We talked about it about eight times. They're a kid, but they need to be able to trust you. Right. And that means you need to step up and be the parent. Take that sucker away. Get all the passwords. Check it at night when they turn their phone in for the night, which they should be doing if they have a phone. Turn the sucker in every night. Have a one place where the whole family charges all them phones. And when they turn it in for bed and they're all in bed, that's your time to go through and do a little bit of snooping. It's OK to be a snoopy parent. That's a good
0: thing. Yeah. And you tell them that, you know, and if you if you trust them, then they shouldn't care at all about you looking at their stuff, right? I mean, that is an interest.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That should be something that is said when you give them that device. Like, yeah, sure. We th- this is you you'll have a device and these are the rules, the contingencies of this device. A family plan that we will all follow. And here are some rules. I will have access to your phone at any time. I can do checks. We'll turn it in. Da da da. We could do a whole nother episode on this stuff. I'm yeah. sorry.
0: No, I know we gotta wrap up. But that that whole plan thing, yeah, we'll have to talk about that another time, because I think this is where it's sort of a myth that these kinds of plans really work. They look good on paper. They sound good to adults. We all get excited. But when it comes right down to the rubber hitting the road here, our, our kids, it lasts about a day, right? These, these, <laughs> I, these phone plans or these ideas and these rules. And so th- this is why, you know, we're here. This is why you're here. We're here to educate yeah. parents. We're here to inform parents. And, and we're here to say you're not the only parent out there that can't do this. This is impossible to do, in my opinion. And based on the research, there will be a lot of problems. Your kids will be exposed to bullies. They'll be exposed mm-hmm. to all sorts of graphic and toxic content out there. It, bullying takes, the play, it takes shape in all different shapes. You know, it's not just another person behind the screen. There's a lot of things that are going on with your kids. So you just yes. nailed it. You said parents are fearful. They are. And, and they should be, honestly, you know, because this doesn't fit. This doesn't really fit most kids' abilities. So what I'm going to throw out is just the concept that you've got to stand up for your kids, like you said, but you've got to surround yourself with a community of like-minded people because if you think you can do this on your own, it's really, really hard. And we have a Screen Strong Families Facebook group if you're struggling right now. In fact, if you have a situation where your kid is being bullied or where your kid is the person who is the bully. <laughs> Please come in there and chat with some parents. We have a lot of parents in there. And Nate, you also have a website. Tell us what your website is.
1: Yeah. So it's it's bulliesbegone.com. Just bulliesbe, not B-E. Um, bulliesbegone.com. Um, and then on Instagram at bulliesbe.gone. But it is B-E. But yeah, I'm on Instagram. They're, they're my website there. And you guys can come talk to me. Um, I post quite often, um, educating about the dangers of, of screens and social media, um, how to deal with bullies, um, and things like that.
0: And if y'all have a question for Nate, you
1: can email team at screenstrong.com and we will get
0: that to him. And that's kind of an easy way to do that. Nate, as we're wrapping up here, there are a lot of people listening that have struggled with this, Mm -hmm. you know, that that struggled even like you did in high school and whatnot. And, Mm -hmm. but then there's a lot of parents that clicked on this podcast because their kid is being bullied Mm
1: -hmm.
0: what final
1: thought or encouragement can you offer them you are enough as a parent and your kid is enough as a kid and if you can both realize that then things are going to get better i promise something that i've been i've been pounding a lot lately is love your kid louder love your kid louder then the internet can hate them. But also know that you are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. And if we can get those things straight, it's all going to turn out okay.
0: Oh my goodness. Nate, thank you so much for making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You are enough, everybody. That, And you are the parent. And we're here to support you and encourage you. And I'm just remembering how Lonely and lost I felt when I was going through all this with my older kids and now I've kind of figured it out and I wish I had heard from you back then. So thank you so much for all the good that you're doing and all the parents and the kids that you're saving and families that you're saving. Nate, thank you so much for coming today. Well, thank you for having me. I hope. You all enjoyed listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and head over to our website to donate and learn more about our Screen Strong challenge that Nate talked about today. Also, make sure to join our Screen Strong Families Facebook group where you'll find support from other parents just like you. Remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you. So, until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong.